This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin. And I'm Tim Warden. And we have an episode full of great information for you today. On today's episode, we will cover some really fascinating work by Dr. Emmanuel van Erk Westergren and her colleagues examining cardiorespiratory health in sport horses. A special thank you to Haygain, who is the sponsor of today's episode. For those who don't know, Haygain is a science-backed horse health company that has developed a range of products designed to support respiratory, digestive, joint, and overall horse health. I have a bunch of friends and colleagues using Haygain products, and I've been really impressed by the science that supports their use. I was just down in Florida visiting my friend, Sean Jobin, and he's had really good outcomes with horses that were struggling a little bit with respiratory challenges. After switching to the Haygain steamer, the issues cleared up and the horses are back in top form. The Haygain products are a great solution for some of the challenges that Emmanuel will discuss today, so they were the perfect brand to help get the word out about this episode. We do have a discount code, which is HRN, that will get you 5% off Haygain products until May 25th, so be sure to take advantage of that code. Our guest today is Dr. Emmanuel van Erk Westegren from the equine sports medicine practice based in Waterloo, Belgium. Emmanuel graduated from the Alfort National Veterinary School in France and completed a PhD on respiratory functional tests in horses at the veterinary faculty of the University of Liège in Belgium. Emmanuel is a member of the European College of Equine Internal Medicine and was acknowledged as a European specialist in equine internal medicine by the Order of Veterinarians. She has been team vet for Belgium, president of the Belgian Equine Practitioner Society, and continues to be active in research, teaching, and caring for sport horses throughout the world. We're so lucky and excited to welcome Emmanuel to the Sport Horse Podcast today. Hi, Emmanuel, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. You're our first European guest, so thank you so much for joining us in the evening where you are. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to do this podcast with you and Tim. Would you mind sharing a bit about some of the common respiratory issues that sport horses face and how common those problems are? Um, well, sport horses are horses that, um, you know, have reached a certain age, not that they're old in any way, but they've been around. And so um, they've been exposed to a lot of dust and a lot of uh, they do a lot of traveling. They see a lot of other horses at shows. And so all that can um, challenge their respiratory system. And one thing that's very common is inflammation. So inflammation is just the immune system, the defense system, uh, getting into action to uh, retaliate against things like dust, particles, infections, uh, viruses, and things like that. One thing that we see also very commonly in these uh, warm bloods that you know are beyond the age of um, eight or nine years old is asthma. So equine asthma sounds like a big word, but actually it's just uh, the way that we define um, inflammation of the lower airways in horses. And that is something that we see, of course, commonly, but... It, it is a little bit surprising because it does not necessarily translate into respiratory symptoms like cough or nasal discharge. It could just be uh, expressed by the horse by um, a premature fatigue during exercise. So a horse that feels heavier and doesn't have the same stamina, that could be lower airway inflammation or equine asthma or something equivalent. 
That's that's really interesting. And do you have a, a rough estimate of maybe how many horses would be affected with this? Well, we do statistics on our cases every year, and we are in the area of 90%. But of course, that is our um, own practice, and we are a specialized practice. So we would be seeing more of these horses than the average population. But if you look at... Um, you know, horses that are referred for poor performance in different centers, the, um, everybody kind of has the same figure around uh, 75 to 80% of horses. So that's quite a lot. Okay, interesting. Wow. And uh, yeah, Nicole and I were chatting a little bit uh, just before we hopped on uh, the call here. And one of the things we were really curious to, to have your opinion on, uh, it, I think in our world, we were more in the jumping world. But just looking across like the different disciplines with jumping horses with the exercise usually lasting, you know, just a, a minute or so in the ring versus when you look at endurance horses that are exercising for hours on end, like how would how would these uh, respiratory issues impact different horses? But depending on the job they need to perform, is it easier to detect, to detect the issue in a horse that's maybe an endurance horse where the cardiorespiratory function is maybe at more of a premium? Well, that seems paradoxical because that's the idea that I had before I set out um, to do practice uh, in the field. I thought, well, you know, endurance horses really need their breathing. And uh, of course they do, but they're very um, trained to uh, recurrent uh, deficits in oxygen. So their body um, with their endurance training is accustomed to that. And so they would probably have less signs than would a racehorse or an eventing horse or a show jumper. And show jumpers, um, one of the things that comes back most recurrently in the complaints that the owners would have or the riders, they'd say that um, their horse feels fresh on the first day of the show. And then as you go along from day to day, the quality of the jumps goes down and the horse's uh, more tired, and then of course finishes up on the Sunday where he has to jump uh, the bigger classes, and he knocks down bars. And he would typically knock down the bars more at uh, the end of the course. And that, to me, is really typical of uh, those horses that have uh, that experience this um, respiratory these respiratory issues. So it's really not about, as we said, coughing or, you know, breathing heavily. It's really about uh, the amount of energy that is delivered to the muscles because horses have a muscle mass that is much, much larger than ours. I mean, it would make some of the bodybuilders pretty jealous, but <laughs> they're fueled by oxygen. And if um, the horses don't have enough oxygen, they will tire more quickly. And horses, I don't know if you know this, but horses cannot breathe um, through the mouth. They can only breathe through the nose. And you can see how large they are. Their nasal cavities are, are small. Their upper airways are pretty narrow. That creates a lot of resistance to breathing. So it's hard for a horse to breathe. And even um, when they do submaximal levels of exercise, like jumping or dressage, they can experience uh, deficits in oxygen, something that humans don't experience. And so it's a little bit like as you went along uh, during your competition, your horse was 
climbing a mountain and he uh, goes to a certain uh, height uh, where he's, you know, on the first uh, level of Mount Everest. <laughs> he is <laughs> at that level of uh, oxygen deficit. And people who climb, you know, high mountains, uh, they, they can wear uh, ultimately an oxygen mask to compensate for that deficit, but horses can't do that. And so they've adapted um, to tolerating the consequences of that, which is accumulating more lactates uh, because you produce lactic acid when you have less oxygen in your body. And um, that makes the muscle tire more easily. So that's why, regardless of the equestrian discipline the horses are involved in, uh, oxygen is the number one fuel. And if the horses have any kind of disease or impairment in their breathing, it will affect their performance. It's the really the number one limiting factor. It's not the heart like in humans. Horses have huge hearts. And before a cardiac problem becomes um, a problem that affects their performance, it has to be pretty uh, severe. Whereas small respiratory problems will create, um, will take their toll on, on performance. So I, I do want to talk about respiratory disease and get more into your research. But before we do that, I just want to circle back for a second um, and ask you, you know, for horse owners and trainers, there's so many factors that, that go into a horse's performance, no matter what discipline. And when you see a horse that's presenting in the way that you described, maybe they're, they're really getting tired towards the end of their, their course towards their performance towards, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and, and they're showing signs of, of fatigue. How would someone go about really defining that as a resp uh, as res respiratory issues as being the primary cause because you know, there, it could be the rider's fitness. It could be, um, you know, an, an uh, early signs of an injury. There, there's just so many things. So how would you recommend somebody approach that? For sure. That's a very good point. I think that uh, you have to stay open. Uh, if, you know, you think that um, your riding is impeccable, uh, maybe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe that's the first thing to do, but um um, what we do a lot is exercise testing because we now have uh, connected devices that allow us, like your smartwatch, to monitor a little bit the way the horse uh, responds to exercise. Now, you don't necessarily need need to go and out and, and buy a device to, to be smarter and de detect your uh, issues, but it does help to see how the horse recovers. So um, in endurance, that's what they do. They measure uh, heart rate and heart rate recovery to assess if the horse has a problem or not. And that could be a first um, thing to, to look out for. Learn how to take your horse's pulse. And if the horse takes longer than expected to return to a heart rate after a standard exercise, that might be the first sign. If um, you feel that, you know, you do an exercise session and you can't hold the same amount of time that you used to, that could be one of the, the, the preliminary signs. Other things is uh, very simple things. Look at your horse's nostrils. If the, the nostrils are flared up for a long period of time, that means that the horse is doing an effort 
to breathe. Um, look at the uh, the horse's flanks. Horses that have lower airway disease can breathe uh, more with their belly than than a, a normal horse. And then look if the horse has any kind of white discharge. Normally. You can have a little bit of humidity around the nose of the horse if there's a difference in temperature between outdoors and the horse's body temperature. But if that's like a little bit of a white froth, um, white means that you've got proteins mixed with the normal transparent mucus. And that means that protein proteins usually mean inflammation. So just a simple sign like that could be um, something to look out for. Just make sure that um, you're being you're, you're being more aware of uh, how your horse recovers after work. And then, if you are really worried, then you know you can always ask your your vet to come and with a stethoscope listen to the airways because that's a very simple way without being invasive, without doing any uh, sophisticated exams to check out the um, the horse's airways. So that would be um, that would be one of the things, and then certainly, uh, you know, do do an objective checklist like h- how uh, how is the environment because that that is the number one um, determinant for respiratory health. It's really the horse's environment. So if you're going to a show and it's very dusty or the air is very heavy uh, or um, you know the hay is of poor quality, these are things. If you feel affected, if you feel that you can smell a lot or that you sneeze a lot, you know, your horse has bigger lungs. And so it's going to affect your horse more than it's going to affect you. That's really, really helpful. And I think actually also a perfect segue. Um, So uh, you recently published a study in the journal Veterinary Internal Medicine that examined the presence of fungi in the airways of over 700 horses that had been referred to a clinic due to respiratory disease or poor performance. Um, And I know that you found that fungi was present in over 50% of those horses and that the horses with fungi in the trachea were twice as likely to have inflammatory airway disease. So with that in mind, um, what can owners and riders do to limit the risk of fungi in the respiratory system? Well, um, you know, we're talking a lot about um, climate change. And certainly in Europe, uh, we've seen a huge difference in the past 10 years with uh, the climate being less cold in winter and more humid in summer. And that really promotes uh, fungal growth. Now, um, unfortunately, we are unable with our eyes or our noses to uh, detect the presence of fungi in in the hay or the straw, a forage that is harvested um, after a period of drying on the soil. So, it the fung the fungus fungus will come and contaminate your hay or your straw if you're using straw, and then you're going to store it for you know over well a year and during that storage period there's going to be fluctuations of temperature and humidity that can promote growth because the aim of fungi in life is to multiply and so as soon as the conditions are adequate they will multiply so um just uh think a little bit about um those contaminants in the hay and straw and try and keep uh, your hay and 
pearl stored in a well-ventilated area that is protected from humidity, that's not too um, too exposed to sunshine so that it doesn't warm up. And if you still cannot guarantee that um, you don't have any problems with fungi contaminating uh, your forage, then um, it's a good idea to switch to a bedding that is less contaminated or not contaminated at all. Like um, we use a lot, or I see a lot of uh, stables using wood shavings because wood contains a natural antiseptic. Um, so that would be a solution or paper or cardboard, which is you know quite absorbent and allows also to keep the areas not contaminated and clean in the box. And then uh, for the hay, well, there are several solutions. You could use uh, haylage because um, when you when the farmers do haylage, they will wrap up the hay and it will increase the acidity of the hay and it will eliminate some of its contaminants. Um, the problem that we saw in our study was that the quality of the haylage could be very variable from one place to the other. And um, it can be irritant for the digestive tract, or it could be also contaminated in other um, contaminants like bacteria that can be problematic for, for the horse's health. So that's not the ultimate solution. I think that the ultimate solution that we found is steaming the hay, um, high temperature steaming, like with the hay game machines, because this allows to eliminate a lot well, almost all of the contaminants in the hay and allows you to uh, feed a forage that's dust-free, fungi-free, bacteria-free to, to the horses. So that is for us uh, one of the um, solutions that we find in the long-term um, management of horses with lower airway disease or respiratory issues. Perfect. Those are all really, really good points and for sure some uh, items that I think everyone can act on in their own programs. Um, a little bit before you had mentioned uh, monitoring horses and, and being a bit more connected, I'm for sure a, a technology geek. I, I love it. And you've been doing some really cool research lately looking at um, using electrocardiograms during exercise in sport horses, uh, electrocardiograms or ECGs. And uh, I think one of the, the challenges was always with this technology that uh, b before it had really innovated, there were a lot of leads that you had to place around the horses. And as the horse started exercising and, and sweating, you would lose that connectivity. So can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the technology that's on the market now that allows you to to collect this data while horses are exercising? Yeah, I think we're, we're living some really exciting times. I mean, I remember when I got my... Um, uh, a smartwatch for for Christmas from from my kids. Um, it allowed me to see how how poor I fared in in sports, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, motivate me also to to um, encourage me to to do better and and see how I could improve by you know going for uh, walks every day. Um, but I think that uh, that's really valuable in horses because uh, it's a way of of making horses speak more obviously, especially when they're exercising. Um, horses are phenomenal athletes. I mean, they're they're born athletes. Uh, they already, when they're tiny, they're able to 
to gallop around. Um, and they've been really made for um, speed and, and endurance. And um, because of their constitution, they, they tend to push themselves uh, quite far and sometimes further than they should. And looking at ECGs is a way of looking at how the heart uh, copes with exercise, and it's a little bit like um, like with your car, you know, the seeing the um, the amount of um, rotations that your engine is doing. It's it's exactly the same thing. If you're in overdrive, it means that something is is wrong, and the horse won't necessarily uh, slow down, but certainly on the uh, mid or long term, it might affect uh, his performances and certainly his his health. So these connected device devices help us to gain insight into how the horses cope with work if we are um, overtraining them, or on the contrary, are we undertraining them? Because we've had, you know, some of the horses where um, the rider says, "Oh, I'm doing quite a, a hard session," and then you look at the heart rate and you you think, you know, it's really nothing for the horse. Maybe you should try and up your game. And then they uh, start training a little bit more seriously. And then the horse goes to a whole new level. So that's one of the things that helps us to monitor training and how the horses um, cope with their fitness uh, over time. But it also um, is a great insight into detecting things like pain. Um, we do a lot of telemedicine with other countries. Like we, we have a partnership with the Hong Kong Jockey Club where we look at all the, the data from the racehorses there uh, when they've had a case of poor performance. And it's fascinating to see that things like pain will translate into arrhythmias, meaning that the heartbeat is not as regular as it should be. All of a sudden, the heart beats faster or has a premature beat uh, during exercise. And if you um, are able to detect that during training, then you can make a call and say, well, I'm not going to uh, race or compete that horse because there's an indicator that something is going wrong and try and investigate why this is going wrong. Is it pain? Is it a cardiac issue? Is it a respiratory issue? Uh, because all of these can affect um, the heart's response to exercise. So I think it's it's fascinating. And and what I'm really happy with is that uh, at last we have some systems that are adapted to the horse. Because previously we had human systems that um, were adapted to uh, the equine athlete. Uh, but horses have hair and they have large thoraxes and they, they move in a certain way. And all the gear that we have previously was not adapted to the horse. We had a lot of artifacts due to movement. We didn't have clear signals. It was difficult to interpret. Whereas now um, we, we use a system uh, from a French company called Arioneo. Uh, they've got these broad uh, girths that you place on the horse and you don't need to enter a lot of data. You just scan the horse's chip and that's done. You've got your connected device on your horse and these very large electrodes allowed to have a very clean uh, ECG tracing. So we're able to look at horses during 
peak exercise like uh, real races or show jumping events. And um, this is a whole new world that opens up to us, both veterinarians and trainers. That's that's really interesting. And I just just a quick question. So when when you're collecting the, the data from the Arianeo, uh, is that something where an expert does need to interpret the data that it's creating? Or or is it uh, something that any rider or trainer could look at uh, the, the data outputs and say, okay, maybe there is a, a warning sign here that there's some pain or maybe there's something else going on and I need to get an expert in to examine this further? So that's the beauty of technology is that uh, they've um, they've designed a platform that's pretty straightforward. So you can have very um, clean and clear information on your exercise session. How long has your session lasted? Uh, the GPS tracking of your session, uh, the heart rates, etc. And then they've got um, algorithms that will tell you, well, for the exercise that you've done, your horse is recovering adequately. This is the amount of time that you spent um in anaerobic phase, which is the high intensity phase, or in the endurance phase, in the aerobic um, uh, phase of your exercise. So that's already a really interesting um, insight. So you can go uh, as superficial or as deep as you want to. Um, they are constantly adapting to the big data that they're that is generated. So uh, right now they refer. Um, the ECGs for more in-depth analysis to specialists because it's it's really a veterinary um, input that they need. But ultimately, uh, and we're working with them on that. Ultimately, we will the systems will be able to send a signal saying, "Hey, um, your horse has uh, we or the, the the data that has been recorded shows that the horse has." Uh, these amounts of arrhythmias, you need to look into it, or a red flag saying like, uh, you know, your your horse needs um, immediate care, um, because with all the the high amount of numbers that we have right now, uh, we're able to, or the the machines are able to uh, detect patterns that are associated to poor performance or to certain types of uh, incidents like uh, uh, tendonitis and hopefully stress fractures, because we know that that is something that um, we're struggling with. It's very hard to detect when a horse might have a stress fracture, and that can be due to a lot of different factors. But um, one thing is certain is that it's a painful event. And in the run-up to that event, in the horses that have these time types of breakups, you could see arrhythmias. So we, we have recordings of horses that have experienced uh, stress fractures, and, and we've seen that. So I think it's it's going to be a very powerful tool. It's a work in progress where the big data that is generated is being fed into uh, machine learning uh, systems. And I think that in the near future, we'll see something really exciting that helps us to uh, prevent accidents from happening and improve uh, equine welfare. That's so, so fascinating. 
Um, I, I think just to to wrap up this discussion, although I feel like <laughs> I could ask you a million more questions, um, we just wanted to finish up with a question that we like to ask all of our guests. Um, and that's if you could talk directly to a horse and educate them um, and they could really understand you, what are a few things that you'd want to say to them and have them understand about sports training or, or what do you wish that all horses knew? I would wish that riders knew more. I think that horses know quite a lot. <laughs> I wish we could have a translating machine for, for the riders and, um, and the trainers, because I think that the horses express a lot of things. And so if I, um, maybe if I had to say something to a horse is that uh, uh, it would be when I send a clear message to your rider or your owner and, you know, throw them off if ever you feel that uh, they're doing a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yeah, they, so many times people say, oh, I don't know if it's, you know, if the horse is feeling uncomfortable uh, because of something physical he's experiencing or if it's just bad behavior. And in 25 years of uh, practicing veterinary medicine, uh, really, really bad behavior and miseducation, um, I haven't seen that much. I could count on, on the fingers of one hand the number of horses that were really uh, misbehaved and, and had a behavioral issue. Usually, horses have uh, a change in attitude or a change in behavior. Uh, they, they're not there to be mean or to be um, yeah, nasty. Or I think it's really a response to a discomfort. And it's up to us to figure out where that uh, discomfort comes from and address it. That's, that's a really good point, Emmanuel. And uh, I th echoing Nicole's comments, this has been absolutely fascinating. I think that we could uh, easily keep you on the phone here for another couple of hours. But We'll let you get going. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat and share your knowledge. I, I know everyone who listens is going to enjoy it. And uh, again, we, we're just so appreciative that you took the time. And I'm hoping that maybe one day down the road, we can meet in person. So again, thank you. Thank you so much to both of you. It's been great uh, chatting with you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm free. I'm happy to come back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. We'll hold you to it. That was some really terrific content from Manuel, and I was really impressed with how well she explained some complex topics. It is really cool to see how on each episode, we're bringing in these guests from different areas and backgrounds, but everyone seems to highlight the same key points, the importance of monitoring athletes and really observing them to learn what they are trying to tell us. In this episode, Emmanuel mentioned the benefits of using the hay gain, high temperature hay steaming system to fight the fungi that causes inflammation in the horse's airway. Diving a bit deeper into the system, it has been shown to reduce up to 99% of the dust, mold, and other allergens found in hay while preserving nutrients, unlike just soaking hay, which tends to leach out the nutrients. And just hanging around different barns, it has been really cool to see how much the horses love the taste of the steamed hay. Even the picky eaters go right for it. That's so interesting, Tim. I didn't know that soaking hay leaches the nutrients. That's such a, a cool thing that they were able to solve with the hay gain steamers. I know we didn't get into their other products in today's episode, but Hagen also has a forage slow feeder that's great for extending a horse's eating time. This stretches out meals for horses on restricted diets, enhances chewing to release more saliva, which buffers the stomach from gastric acid, and is helpful for boredom issues. 
And then there's the comfort stall product, which is almost like a mattress for horses, providing cushion and comfort for the joints, as well as proprioceptive benefits. Use the discount code HRN until May 25th to get a 5% discount on Haygain products and head over to their website, which will be linked to in the show notes to learn more about what Haygain can do for you. For the links to today's guests and all of our show notes, you can head to the sporthorsepodcast.com. That's www.sporthorsepodcast.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at sporthorseseries. Um, and be sure to head to our website for great uh, educational content, getting a little bit deeper into what we talk on, about on some of our episodes. Um, you'll, you will not regret it. Make sure you leave us a review in the uh, whatever uh, podcast <laughs> listening tool uh, is your preference. Um, share us with your friends so that we can talk to more and more people about all of the great science uh, that can be applied to sport horses. And uh, you can, as always, have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. You can find that by going to the App Store and searching Horse Radio Network. Um, and once again, thank you to our sponsor, Hey Gain. Um, it's really kind of fun learning about your products today. Here's to keeping your sport horses happy and healthy. <laughs>